Have you ever thought about what it would have been like for Mary to hear from the angel Gabriel that she would be having a child? My favorite artistic rendering of the scene is a painting by Henry Ossawa Tanner. Mary sits hunched in her bed, wrapped in blankets. Her eyes are turned towards a beam of light, the angel at the foot of her bed. She doesn't look terrified necessarily. Maybe this is after Gabriel has soothed her, saying, do not be afraid. Instead, she appears to be taking in the full gravity of the situation. I imagine she stuttered a bit when she responded, may it be so, shock giving way to a growing awareness of all the ramifications of what she has just agreed to. It's easy to marvel at the miracle of Mary's pregnancy. I tear up when I read both the humility and the delight woven into her Magnificat, but these aspects of the story make it tempting to overlook the incredible sacrifice Mary made here too. Today begins the second week of Advent. On this second Sunday of Advent, we're going to look to the hospitality Mary showed to God in carrying the infant Jesus in her body. Through this story, we'll look for the gifts we just might find when we open ourselves up to others at the most inconvenient times. Welcome to Kitchen Meditations, a weekly podcast from the Edible Theology Project where we examine the ways God meets us in the kitchen and at the table. I'm your host, Kendall Vanderslice. If you are hungry for a taste of God's hope and healing in the mundane tasks of your everyday life, then you've come to the right place. May these meditations bring you a bit of grounding as you prepare to eat today and every day. This Advent, the Edible Theology Project has partnered with We Welcome, an organization that teaches Americans how to advocate on behalf of our refugee neighbors. Together, we are learning how the hospitality found in the story of Christ's birth invites us to live out welcome today. To get the most out of these podcast episodes, we encourage you to download the Advent Guide, complete with scripture readings, reflection prompts, and recipes. You'll find the guide linked in the show notes below. Let's get started with a little spiritual mise en place, a prayer to ground and orient ourselves before we begin. In the restaurant kitchen, mise en place describes the process of preparing your workspace for the dishes you're about to make. It involves gathering your ingredients and skimming the recipe all the way through so you can be fully present to your guests by the time they arrive. I like to think of mise en place as a time to prepare my own mind and body as well, asking God to be present with me as I cook or as I bake. Our spiritual mise en place today is drawn from Mary's Magnificat in the first chapter of Luke. Close your eyes, slow your breathing, and now as you breathe, repeat with me. Inhale. God casts down the mighty from their thrones. Exhale and lifts up the lowly. Oftentimes, I feel like God invites me to trust at the most inconvenient times. I remember the year I applied for seminary. 
I didn't want to leave my job, and I had so many projects on my plate, it didn't make sense to go back to school. The finances did not work out on paper, and I loved where I lived. Still, I sensed God's invitation to apply, and the timing turned out to be just right. It was hard, but I can't imagine having never met the community I built in that time. I remember the day I brought my dog Strudel home. I was on the cusp of a lot of travel and I could hardly afford his food, let alone an unexpected vet bill. Still, I felt an urgency to provide him a home. It was stressful, but his companionship turned out to be exactly what I needed to slow down in a difficult season. I remember the minute I knew I had to close down my bakery. I had no idea what would come next, but my body couldn't take it anymore. I questioned whether God would really step in, but I trusted, and I'm so glad I did. It was heartbreaking, but God worked through my community to meet my needs. God did not invite Mary to carry Jesus at a convenient time. She was engaged, but not yet married, about to travel on a donkey for days to get to Bethlehem. Mary knew that there would be consequences in accepting God's call to carry the infant Jesus. She would be maligned by her community. In a culture that prized virginity, who would believe that she was worthy of marriage anymore? There would be physical pain, too, the nausea of morning sickness, the ache of contractions, the tearing and the bleeding and the risk of infection. Childbirth can be dangerous under the best conditions. And Mary was not in the best conditions. Mary also knew that this child would not belong to herself alone. She was giving birth to the Son of God. She would love him and raise him, but he would not be fully hers. I wonder if she knew, even then, the brutal death he would endure. Still, in her Magnificat, we see that Mary knew true hospitality required the giving up of self. It's why she points to the ways God upsets expectations in every line. God has mercy on those who fear him. God has scattered the proud in their conceit. God has cast down the mighty from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things. Mary praises the God who would humble himself, coming to earth as an infant, including the beautiful terror that is birth. And because of God's humility, Mary knew she could trust God in this inconvenient moment, too. She knew her own self-sacrifice would bring about true freedom. And so she accepted the risk in order to do what God was inviting her to do. Mary felt seen by God, and it gave her the confidence to extend selfless hospitality to others, including the God-child growing in her womb. This call for radical hospitality didn't come at a convenient time or under convenient circumstances, but Mary knew that both she and the child would receive far more than they'd given up as a result. 2,000 years later, we still repeat her song, knowing her words are true. Mary.
My friend Zalah, an Afghan refugee living near me, says that you must give a guest both time and attention to let them know that they are wanted in your home. God willing, she says, the laundry, the dishes, even your work will get done. But nothing else is as important as being present to the guests in your home. Hospitality is an act of trust that when we do what doesn't make sense, God will still provide for our needs. To give of yourself is to extend love to another human. Sometimes that might feel like a sacrifice beyond what you can make. It's inconvenient, perhaps even painful at times, but what you and your guest will both receive as a result is more than worth what you've given up to extend love. God casts down the mighty from their thrones and lifts up the lowly. We'll get to our kitchen tip in just a moment, but I want to take a quick break to tell you more about the Edible Theology Project. Edible Theology is an educational media nonprofit that uses storytelling about food to build community and heal relationships. We recently announced our new community of monthly donors called The Daily Table. Daily Table donors are invited to join us at one of three tiers, $10, $25, or $50 a month, or to choose a gift amount of their own. These recurring gifts allow us to cover our day-to-day expenses, like podcast production, social media management, and the creation of our newsletter. With these monthly expenses covered, our team can focus on developing new programs that build community and facilitate conversation around the table, like the Advent Guide you might be using right now. All donations are tax-deductible in the United States, and they're a great way to show support for this podcast. Head to the link in the show notes to join us at the Daily Table today. Our kitchen tip today comes from Zala, the queen of radical hospitality. Always, always, always serve your guests a drink. Even if they're just swinging by to drop off a book, even if you're worried about the dinner simmering on the stove, even if your dog is yapping loudly one room over, Offer your guest a glass of lemonade or a steaming mug of tea. It's a simple gesture that lets your guests know they are worthy of your time. It's an invitation for them to sit and stay. And it's an invitation for you to slow down and pay attention. Listen closely to whatever is on their mind. The laundry, the dishes, the emails, they can wait. If bread is king, Zala says, then tea is the queen. It shows warmth and generosity. It makes anyone feel at home. And now to close, a prayer for selfless hospitality. God of compassion, you gave up your limitlessness to become an infant. As a man, you gave up solitude and rest to heal the sick, feed the hungry, speak words of life, and love us to the point of death. You know the sacrifices that come with serving others. Despite your weariness, you took the time to heal each person at your door. Teach us to set aside the things that distract us 
knowing, like Mary, that to serve is to be blessed. Amen. Kitchen Meditations is brought to you by the Edible Theology Project, where the communion table meets the dinner table. We encourage you to discuss this episode around the table with your spouse, small group, or friends. Need some help getting into that rhythm? Sign up for our weekly newsletter at edibletheology.com and you'll get discussion questions and a recipe delivered straight to your inbox every week. Our intro music is by Josh Garrels. A huge thank you to my Edible Theology team who made this podcast possible, especially to our producer, Jason Rugg. We would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or Spotify. Then share this episode with your friends. Your help ensures that others discover this podcast too.